Hello everybody, just a quick warning at the top of the episode. This episode contains significant references to sexual assault, to violence, to sexual content and other explicit content. Uh, Thought it was important to give that warning at the top of the episode. This movie is possibly the most explicit one that we've covered. And so if you don't want to listen, that's absolutely fine. And if you do want to listen, thank you for listening. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Quinton Quarantino and we are finally back on the Tarantino train covering the 1996 Tarantino written, Robert Rodriguez directed, From Dusk Till Dawn, also starring Tarantino. And with me today of course we have some of our, but sadly not all of our, hosts. We have Finn. Hello, I'm here. And Fraser. So basically, Robert Rodriguez uh, directed this film. It's a uh, sort of criminal vampire movie that Tarantino wrote, wasn't able to direct, and so earmarked uh, Rodriguez for that, but he does star in it. Uh, So let's go in a bit to the cast before we start. Robert Rodriguez is a man, a director. I was slagging off before we recorded this, but he heavily influenced my childhood um, with classics like (laughs) Spy Kids, Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams, and Spy Kids 3D, Game Over. Um, and the adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which, by the way, has just had a Netflix exclusive sequel. Uh, I think it's called We Can Be Heroes because that's exactly what they need to revive Is, their subscriber numbers. Are the same numbers. actors being cast in? The I watch? don't know because I didn't bother. But I don't to read. think it was directed this time by Robert. It Rodriguez. was Robert Rodriguez. It Damn it! On this. You think that a man of his talent simply wouldn't be associated with We Can Be Heroes brackets film? Uh, no, I mean basically, I was saying, we oh, he's not done heroes. very much good stuff besides Russell Dawn, but actually. Um, just look at his Wikipedia page. He has done cool stuff. Um, Desperado, yeah. uh, Sin City, Both Pred- of them Predators, like, yeah. maybe. Elite Battle Angel people really like. Um, I think so, all of his films are time in Mexico. an acquired taste, I think, mm. is the is the key. He's, he's a man who, when he hits it, hits it. And when he doesn't, but also, uh, he just does, I think he's just willing to do I know, they're all like stuff. cult films. He, he also did a few episodes of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah, which which oh, episodes yeah, did he direct on Boba Fett? Um, I think he did the first one. He definitely did the first one. He That's also directed the fake movie in Scream Two called Stab, which is the movie that I think it chronicles St- Scream, and then that inspires a copycat killer who's the killer in Scream Two. I think it's so nice. he directed the fake movie in a movie in Scream Two, which is pretty good. I like that stuff. It's like Eli Roth in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, so he's done, he's done some pretty pretty good That's stuff pretty cool. yeah he did chapter 14 the tragedy for the mandalorian and then he did three episodes on boba fett he also exec produces boba fett interestingly and he plays two characters doc strassi and mock shies in the, he also um played himself in the cleveland show everyone's favorite uh, everyone's favorite spin-off. spin-off of anything everyone's favorite spin-off of their favorite show here at quinton quarantino we our favorite show is the cleveland show is the Cleveland show followed and we still by mourn its loss. That's why we're starting Cle- of Family Guy. We're starting Cleveland, Clevelandino, a spin-off show. <laughs> we're going to review every go- single episode of the Cleveland show, <laughs> you and then we're going to go that. on IMDb and find every appearance of Cleveland in any <laughs> media and any review them media. all. <laughs> this episode, uh, this one panel from a Futurama comic where they they put him in. Uh, so only reviewing this panel. Uh, that's that's Robert Rodriguez. We should get into the cast as well. Harvey Keitel, uh, who we'll know from Reservoir Dogs. He's he's the main, basically the main guy in Reservoir Dogs. Is it Mr. Mr. White? 
George Clooney as Seth Gecko, a man I've actually never mm-hmm. seen in any other films, which is, I know. How has David insane. not seen How does any that other work? film? I don't think I have. It's possible How does I have. that work? I don't know. What? I'll, we'll come back to that at the end to check if I have seen any George Clooney <laughs> movies. Uh, Quentin Tarantino as Richie Gecko, and it does seem like he wrote this part. F- I don't know if he tried to find anyone to play it instead, but it does seem like he wrote this part for himself based on some of the stuff he gets to do later. Uh, we'll get to that. It's it's a it's a very funny part and quite a, he's really good in it. He's very, no, I think he's good in it. He's, he's really, actually nominated. Really good. So he was nominated for a Razzie for that role as worst actor. Bullshit. That's they That's were padding. They were padding it. He was he is good. He doesn't have much to do, and he actually said he would have rewritten it to give himself more lines later because he didn't have a, basically didn't have any main lines. I think that contributes well to the character. He's so disturbing. I think, I think he's quiet. Like his character is. Yeah. He's a an agent of chaos in it, and he's playing too close to type, though. Tarantino, too close to an. His I don't know about that. I think that's a bit different from his <laughs> other characters he's played in his own films. No, I'm just thinking he's a creepy man. You say um... that it's he. He looks at a woman and and hears them say horrible things to him. Oh yeah, we'll get onto that. Juliette Lewis as Catherine Fuller, the daughter of the Fuller family. She is a former Scientologist, but is still alive, which is different to a lot of former Scientologists. Um, Cheech slander. Marin. Slander. <laughs> Satire. Slander. Uh, not slander. Uh, allegedly. Satire. Allegedly. Cheech Marin in multiple roles. I think Quentin Quarantino favourite. He's popped up before. Danny Trejo, other most prolific actor of all time after Robert, after Eric Roberts. Is he Also second? in this. We don't, it's either, it, one don't of them know. is second, one Science of them is first. Science can't measure it. Science can't measure it. Wikipedia and IMDb differ. Tom Savani as Sex Machine, who also played a yes. tracker in Django Unchained and was a big collaborator with the late, maybe soon to be not late again undead, George A. Romero, master of zombie movies. Um, I believe you said he was a special effects artist. So is he the yeah, he, he does, like, he does uh, for this makeup film. effects and things. Yes, I think the, he uh... did a lot of them for this movie and appears yeah. in it. Um, you got Fred Williamson as Frost. This guy used to be a pro footballer who was nicknamed the Hammer because he used to karate chop opposing team players in the head. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, he basically does it in the film. It's great. Yeah. Michael Parks as Texas Ranger Earl McGraw, who you may recognize from Kill Bill Volume 1 because he's playing the same character. Mm-hmm. Um, he also was in Kill Bill Volume 2 as that um, like Mexican pimp. Um, and he's in Django as well as a mining company employee. Um, so this is basically Django, guys. We're finally doing Django. This is it. This is what Django's like. This is the Django episode. <laughs> also, uh, Michael Parks has sadly died, and he interestingly he was buried at sea. I didn't know he could like actually request sea. that. <laughs> he loved beach holidays. Maybe he was in the navy, or he's certainly in the navy now. <laughs> Kinda. It's the navy is in the sea. The navy blue. The navy blue, waters. exactly. This, this, not all my jokes work, um, and I don't need to. Um, I can just edit them out if they don't work. That's very true. It's you know, or alternatively, you can just add this laugh <laughs> to it. Add that laugh to it instead. <laughs> <laughs> actually laughing now um okay roger ebert also gave this film a three out of four uh because that's how he rated things he said it was meat and potatoes with some skill which i would say is a pie but whatever Uh, and on that we can actually begin 
scene one. We open on a desert road, um, which would be bad for vampires if they didn't not show up for another 45 minutes. There's yeah, cars. You, there's not a word of there's, vampires. There's not yeah. a word of vampires till the vampires we, we'll show have up. A, every time you introduce a scene, we'll, we'll say <laughs> no whether or not there's yet. a hint that there's vampires in the film. Yeah, it, well, this film could be divided into BV, before vampires, and AV, after AV, vampires. AV, after vampires. I see there's DV during vampires. Um, I guess, yeah, there's there's like one scene after vampires. There's one scene post-vampire. Yeah. So a really shit brown car stops at a liquor store and Doug Dimmerdome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmerdome, uh, gets out of the car. That's Michael Parks' Texas Ranger, Earl McGraw. This is Benny's World of Liquor. Now, I couldn't understand anything they were saying because Prime Video did not have subtitles in the version I was watching. So it was I, like, I, see, I just turned the volume up incredibly loud. <laughs> I did as well. I still couldn't. I can't, I'm not making an accent. So it was like, I go, I sound like the Sims. It's one of those. It's one of those, you know, Tarantino scenes of mumblecore, natural, naturalist conversation that yeah. somehow builds up a small level of tension. Do you know what made the tension more in this scene? In this liquor store. Um, when I paused it, Amazon will show you the cast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and said, it, it said, it credited Amy Graham as blonde hostage. I was like, ah, yeah. I see something is going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> they discuss many things. They're the, the sort of Tiller and uh, uh, Sheriff McGraw. They discuss how microwave food is, is the real worst killer. They talk about um, some pretty awful ableism about a, a, a sort of burger cook. Oh yeah, he gets food poisoning at a restaurant with the immortal line. Isn't there a law against something serving food at the pub? Which no, they don't even have gun laws. Also, pub. Yes, their pub is a weird thing as well. They're more likely to regulate spatulas than they are guns. You have to be over twenty-one to get a spatula. To be fair, spatulas don't kill people. Do that's see, people with spatulas kill people, not guns. Not guns. All people with guns. No, people with guns. The only thing they can stop a spatula with a person who's going to kill is gun with a person. It's a burger. It's SpongeBob. (laughs) The only person who can stop a bad guy with a spatula is SpongeBob SquarePants with a spatula. With a spatula. That is more makes more sense than anything Ted Cruz has said in the last two weeks, or indeed ever. Has he got a brain parasite? (laughs) I think he is the brain parasite. He's got plankton in his head. (laughs) <laughs> with the little levers yeah it's it's amazing he's able Tell to him. speak with merely two levers to control the entirety of Ted Cruz you hate but... doors tell them you hate doors whoever just banked an auditioned for Spongebob with that voice and didn't get it no that's, shit that's, that's that so, would have been hilarious what a world um, they, well they laughed and then they gave him plankton Um, the sheriff doesn't actually open his mouth if you look when he talks he just keeps his teeth together so he opens his lips, but his teeth always stay together, which is what I'm doing now, but it's a podcast, so you can't see. Like a ventriloquist. Yeah, it is. It was really weird. I was like wondering if, if he's so badly food poisoned, all the sick will come out if he opens his teeth. Um, it's it's super weird. Chef goes to take a, take a pee. Uh, then tribal tattoo George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino dressed as an office worker come in with guns. They're holding up the customers and they're aiming at the tiller. And basically what's happened is they wanted this guy, this tiller, to send the cop away. But he's let the cop go use the toilet, and they think that's like suspicious. Um, at this point, I was like, "So is Quentin Tarantino tall, or is George Clooney short?" The answer I may surprise you is George Clooney short. 
Because I don't know. I didn't look up. I'm asking your opinion. Because they look, they're quite significant. Oh, okay. I think I don't think I don't think George Clooney's like very short, but I think he's slightly less than average. Height. So the perfect the perfect heighted person is the exact average between Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney. Anyway, then pervert Quentin Tarantino basically says, "Let's just go go into the bathroom, shoot the cop in the back of the head, easy easiest pie." Clooney then sort of is like, "No, it's not like threatens to tiller more." They sort of whip out of the room as the cop is coming out of the bathroom. It's quite cool. It almost like the scene like resets back to how before the cop. It's Even quite like theatrical. the camera angle goes back to how it was before, and it like follows the cop out of the bathroom in the reverse to the way he went in. Then Quentin Tarantino immediately comes behind them and shoots the cop in the head. Yeah, claiming that he mouthed. He mouthed. So he claims that the tiller mouthed helpers, which he clearly didn't. Um, and you'll you'll see more of this kind of. You'll see more that he might later. not be totally a man who just shot someone in the back of the head might not entirely be with it. He then, but then the cop's still alive on the floor as well somehow, and so Quentin Tarantino then shoots him again, and then he shoots the teller. Clooney's not happy. As they're kind of arguing, the teller, like, opening a gun safe in, like, lots of cuts. Yeah, he's, he's been shot once and he's, uh... It's, like, cutting back very, very briefly between these two scenes. Yeah. It's really cool. They do that a couple more times in the film. It's a really interesting way of doing things. It builds... It makes things seem almost more more fast-paced when they're not necessarily fast-paced. Anyway, he shoots Quentin Tarantino through the hand... And then we have a really great little shootout. What do you guys think of this shootout of groceries exploding all behind fun, yeah. them? And it, it sets up really well how how much ingenuity George Clooney's character has, mm. which comes up later. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, true. Actually, one thing like, I re- it's, it's really interesting how they they sort of establish them as yeah, you're right, actually, yeah, like the action heroes of the film, almost, mm, even though they are, but also absolutely terrible people. Yeah, terrible it's people, but both. also in a fight, you want them on your side. I like this. It's just like cans of food and stuff exploding, like just nutless, like groceries. Yeah. Oh, it's a real good little shootout. The blondes run, and then they come up with this plan, like saying for ingenuity. So, like, lighter fluid falls off the shelf onto where George Clooney's hiding. So, what he does is he pours that on some toilet roll, chucks it, and then gets he gets Tarantino to like he shoots out all the alcohol bottles behind the tiller so the tiller is just drenched in like jack daniels and stuff and whiskey and then clearly likes the toilet paper chucks it and oh my god the whole thing just goes up like it's guy forks yeah there's just like you just see fire from behind the tail and like screaming and, they're screaming. and... and then but then the guy gets up still shooting on fire Engulfed in play. over the till, screaming. And he just, like, falls onto some, like, grocery shit. And he's still screaming. Honestly, it's so... Like, it's awful. It's, like, really horrific. But it's done in... It's somehow directed in, like, a really funny way. I was laughing. It's, it's like beautiful. It's sort of you know? comedic. Oh, so he falls on popcorn, which starts popping. Yeah, starts popping. <laughs> so dumb. It's so dumb, but it's so good. You know what I mean? It really it adds a visceral. I don't know. It's, it's well, good. It adds, I like this, it. this movie has comedy. It's got. It's almost more also obviously the, the, the a comedy. Hostages, two of the hostages run away in this time as well. They so they flee. They're, they're they the they survive. No, and they're not in anymore. Yeah. Blonde blonde. Who would have thought that blonde hostage wasn't gonna be a larger role wasn't in the gonna, movie? Well, they they're you know they got to be in the sequel. That's why you know. <laughs> yeah, they actually aren't, and I know that because there's only one actor that returned for the sequel. So can you make a guess who it might be? Danny Trejo. Uh-huh. <laughs> Even course. though, as we'll get to, 
he fucking dies in this film. Um, yes. And he's in the dies prequel hard. and the sequel. Uh, he dies hard for vengeance. Anyway, it's good. It's like real. It's almost slapstick in like a really violent way. Uh, then they walk away, not looking, as cool guys do. They don't look at the explosions because the shop just beautifully goes up. Fire, plumes of smoke in stages, all exploding. Chunks of rubble are getting chucked towards them in the background. It's fantastic. Turns out they only went in there to get a map, and so that sort of sets up again the sort of comedy elements of the film, but also how how sort of these guys bring with them this violence. Yeah, they can't they can't walk into a a bar without something horrible going wrong. We then get an intro sort of song over the credits it's pretty basic particularly the just credits here just white names on text but it feels like very pulpy you know it feels like pulp fiction which of course draws energy for that this is pretty much the definition of a pulp film and then at one point the credits sort of come onto the main screen and the car drives through them and shatters them which is such (laughs) i feel like that is used in a lot of robert (laughs) rodriguez films (laughs) sometimes it's a car sometimes it's an eponymous spy kid swinging through the credits a shark boy or so lava it's girl. A shark boy or lava girl. Sometimes it's Anne Machete. Um, sometimes it's Anne Machete kills. As long as the titles get destroyed. George Clooney drinks and drives, which is illegal. Um, he's that is sad, illegal. That's, we should keep tally of his crimes. So, so far, he's kidnapped. He's, he's murdered. Kidnapped, he's murdered. Uh, <laughs> he's destroyed he's property. Destroyed arson, something. Arson, yep. Stole, stole uh, the map. Stole the map. And um, he's drunk and drive. And I was drunk and drive, yeah. Um, uh, Quentin Tarantino looks at George Clooney through his convenient handhold. That's like he's he's very very chill about. It's just I'm not sure your hands still work. I don't really understand how the bones work, but I suspect you wouldn't be able to move your fingers properly. You, you can get lucky with it, but it's right through the middle of his hand. Do it's, I don't know how they did the effect, but it's good. I like it. He just looks at she looks at Clooney through his little handhold. Stigmata. It's it's biblical imagery. <laughs> Is it? Well, stigmata is a biblical image. Is that what stigmata is? Stigmata is a hole in your hand from a nail when you've been put on a, a cross. Oh, that's not what it is in Isaac. Yeah, I mean, but in Isaac, it's, it's, in in Isaac, it's a piece of wood that you you would poke through your hand. Oh, didn't they not have nails back in the Judean Well, Judean they did, types. but I guess stigmata doesn't necessarily have to be a nail. No. But I don't think it does. The nail store was closed that day because it was a Saturday. <laughs> There's the the Simpsons gag where where like Milhouse goes, how come Bart gets a therapist? I'm the one with stigmata, and he puts his hands up, and they got like blood streaming out the middle of them. <laughs> Nelson crucified Milhouse. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> they're just saying that. I think they're saying that Milhouse has some kind of complex in which he crucifies himself. Fucking hell! Uh, the Simpsons <laughs> never game. mentioned again. No. Not until Milhouse goes on some kind of rampage. Anyway, Quintotino is sitting with his leg out of the window, which is a which is also pretty weird, also illegal. You don't want to get hereditaryed, Quintotino, so be careful. They also show through like X ray that there's a lady in the trunk of the car. Yeah, that's a really funny shot. I love it. <laughs> it's, it? <laughs> it, okay. it. It's obviously the way the camera pans. They planned it, but the special effects they use for it are they feel very last minute. Yeah, yeah, it could just be like, oh shit, we forgot to like they just panned to a trunk. We just we panned to the petrol something. tank of this car, like. Uh, scene two at this motel, uh, George Clooney is getting impatient. 
um, at the at the um, kind of counter, ringing the bell, and old man Bolo Tie comes out, and he's like, "What you want?" And the guy's like, "Just because like a room. What the fuck do you think we were?" He's like, "Oh yeah, okay," uh, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. <laughs> um, Quentin Tarantino is asking about if there's deluxe features like porn or waterbeds. Uh, George Clooney's like, "Shut the fuck up," um, which is interesting because actually later when the Fullers come, all he wants is a bed as well. So it's setting up nice kind of. You see a few of these like parallels between. George Clooney and the sort of retired um, a preacher that's played by Harvey Cartel. Yeah. Keitel. Harvey Keitel, not Harvey Cartel. Uh, that's a Freudian slip there. Anyway, they get their hostage into the room, threaten her to keep her quiet, says, yeah, you'll survive as long as you just follow exactly what we're saying. George Clooney goes to get the money out of the car. Part of the deal is they've, they've nicked this money in like a bank heist. They're going to give 30% to the people that are going to help, help them in Mexico. This is when we get the really excellent thing with George Clooney saying to the hostage called Gloria, you know, do you want to live? Just yes or no. If you don't do what we say, you know, you'll have a conversation with Mr. 44, who doesn't sound like a very nice man. Would you guys <laughs> like to have meet a conversation Mr. with Mr. 44? Uh, I think maybe I'd choose not to if I could, but if they were, you know, really forcing me to, <laughs> then I, I wouldn't be rude. <laughs> He wouldn't be rude, no. He'd be polite to Mr. 44. He yeah. says he has six little friends that run faster than you can if you try and escape, which is a fantastic line. Um, although I was thinking it could be some of the, like, <laughs> some of the dwarves from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> Happy. It's all the ones that aren't sleepy. Yeah, sleepy Happy, is the only grumpy. exception. Sleepy's the one that doesn't run faster than Gloria can. So George Key leaves to do something, and then Quitter T is like, you want to come over to the... He's like salad fingers. That's the vibes I get from him. You want to come over, play with my rusty spoons? Oh, come spoons. on, come on the bed. Come on, come and sit in the bed. Watch, watch TV with me. Pat's the bed. Starts watching cartoons. It's, it's smoked hams is the cartoon that pops up. I was like, hmm, steamed hams. Steamed hams. Seymour, in my town, <laughs> we have waterbeds in motels. Ah, uh, this is an Albany waterbed. Uh, Filled with blood. <laughs> yeah, blood, blood bed. It's really creepy. Uh, he also makes her take her shoes off. Quentin Tarantino. Just written feet in big letters here. Um, scene That's three. The original script, it just the scene is just marked feet. It, yeah. And yeah, the in, original, in the original script, there's no, yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no thing. It's just like, this is the foot time. They, they walk, <laughs> later on when they walk into the, the, the titty twister, it just says feet and then it just vampires and that's the script. <laughs> That's all he had to go on. Go with, it was you know. it was the feety twister in the or the footy footy twister in the initial the draft. Twister. And they, they were like, no, I don't think Quinton. I don't think this is realistic because it was like, hey, what the fuck, vampires are realistic. <laughs> um, in in on the sign for the titty twister, it's like a big neon hand turning like a a lady's nipple, and it could have been a foot if Tarantino had had his way. The feet jokes with Tarantino just never end, basically. You just keep doing it. I mean, it. this film is... That's his fault. He Definitely the point it. when everyone realised the... It's so... I mean, we'll get... We go get so it. obvious. So, scene three. We then have the Fuller family at a table. They're heading to El Paso. It's quite saccharine. Quite nice for this film. It's been quite horrible. Harvey Keitel is, is Jacob Fuller, the dad. Ernest Lue is uh, Scott, who's the son. Juliet Lewis is Kate. Um, I might have pronounced Ernest's name wrong there. Apologies if I did. Not the earnest bit. The daughter asked the dad, you don't, don't you believe in God anymore? Um, because he's basically a pastor who's kind of giving it up because he's lost his faith. He's having a crisis of faith because his wife has died. Yeah, it's an interesting character to have. It feels quite a Tarantino kind of arc. 
this it's, kind of it's like just about the... fa- more about faith than religion itself. Yeah. Um, he also I definitely f- like the because he he describes it as he believes in God and in Jesus, but he's basically just not happy with them. Yeah, he says fuck him to to them, yeah. which will be him with a capital H. But yeah, it's that yeah he still believes in them. It's just that he no longer thinks they're like benevolent. Um, or even necessarily omnipotent. You know, he doesn't believe that they're these loving, loving forces. Then he realizes he that before. actually they're they're very benevolent when he meets a bar full of demons, vampires. Yeah, I'd say they come under the umbrella term. They're very allergic well, to that's, religion. That's why HR wants to talk to you. <laughs> um, he also says they talk about how basically all religious people, no matter like you're Buddhist, you're a rabbi, you're you're a nun must at some point look in the mirror and question their faith and question whether or not they're a fool. And I think that's actually true as someone who's not yeah. religious, but who sometimes does feel that about other people, like, do you not have doubts because this stuff is not a material thing you can grasp? It is a really interesting point. And a movie that's mostly blood and viscera does still take time to do these quite interesting points, which I really like. I think the film actually does have a very nuanced a nuanced statement about the role of religion in in these kind of stories, in like vampire stories. It's not it's not protective, but it oh, it can, it can no. be protective. I'm not sure. What do you think the statement is? Because I, I just think the fact that it is the thing that ultimately kind of saves them. But when you're in a situation like that, that is surely when your faith is tested most. Mm, because yeah. you're faced with the most horrifying things possible. Yeah, it's also not a catch-all because uh, they don't. Let's say they don't all make it, despite having yeah. faith. Faith doesn't do that much more than violence. <laughs> That's the message. If dust till the dawn. message is, if you have a lot of if you have a lot of guns, you could kill God. The message is that guns are the true religion of America. Yeah, that and jackhammers. That's just true. Uh, Jack and jackhammers. Also, jackhammers, jackhammers, and guns, and water, water balloons, condoms I mean, filled with. We'll with get onto this later, but I have yeah. I have some strong opinions of that water gun in terms of it being the <laughs> ultimate killing machine. <laughs> yeah, Super Soaker Nine Thousand set it your friends on fire. Be, it's the most powerful one of all the weapons they pick. <laughs> it's great. Like... <laughs> okay, next scene is you then cut to like a news reporter who's reporting very happily. On the the Gecko Brothers crime spree about how Quentin Tarantino's broken out like murderer, bank robber George Clooney. That they say Quentin Tarantino is a sex offender, which makes a lot of sense. He, he certainly looks like one. Again, the character. In fact, they, I, I've written here they couldn't have made him look more like one, effectively. Which yes, yeah, he looks very. very it's suspect. the it's the glasses. It's the glasses and the haircut. Just something about it. You get um. It's showing the pictures of all the people they killed. It shows a picture of the tiller who was killed. And it's just this guy. It's him in like, I don't know, like this this half shirt holding a massive fish, which is like the most Texan picture I've ever seen. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, a happy outdoors person. They've got a good K- KD ratio. I mean, every in many ways, everyone does. Yeah. It depends on what you count for in terms of vampires, in terms of being D or not. Oh, I think, well, this is at this point 16 to 1. 16 to 1 is pretty good. Uh, usually, I mean, it's actually 0, 16 to 0, because they haven't died. That's the thing. The hostage is a bank teller, and the FBI is going after them. And that's those are the things you kind of love from this, this thing. I sort of expected to zoom out, and one of them was watching it, but that doesn't happen. It just cuts back to George Clooney coming back from going to Pulp Fiction to buy some big kahuna burger, if you guys noticed that. Nice. 
I like that. He shoves this this desiccated burger into Tarantino's bloody hand, which is one of the grossest things in this very gross film. Well, it, it increases the flavour. <laughs> yeah, um, iron. If you have an overdone burger, just refresh it with some of your own blood. It's a call forward to how there are vampires later, because there's blood. Where's the woman? And Tarantino's like, yeah, she's in there. And he opens the door, and immediately the whole tone of the film, just like like that, just, just shifts. Um, the music slows. You get a slow zoom on George Clooney's face. It does and that really flicking good, back It does the flicking again. thing. But like with the music, and it's kind of like... It's really horrific, because you basically are just getting a glimpse of an extremely gory room and like a dead body on a bed. He's absolutely... Quentin absolutely murdered her, and George Clooney is like deeply unhappy and disturbed and she's topless in the background too so you can tell that he's sexually assaulted her as well which is horrific we should talk a bit about this because it's it, it's really it's it's a graphic but only graphic very very briefly because of these cuts it's really disturbing and it does a really good job of underscoring the kind of difference between the brothers and the Quentin Tarantino is clearly deeply deeply disturbed whereas George Clooney is your more standard criminal and um, he's committing crimes he'll kill if he needs to but yeah, he kills Not for money. Say, he doesn't revel in it. Doesn't like to kill unless he kind of has to. Like, he didn't want to kill a police officer. Yeah. Waste of bullets. Exactly. It's expensive. Yeah, it's expensive business being a bank robber, isn't it? Your life insurance. Really expensive if you're a bank robber. But yeah, so it's horrific. And I'm glad that they don't show a lot of it. Like, it's sort of in the background then. I think that's effective. I've, this is the point where I wrote in my notes, is this not a vampire movie? Like, I was like, have I, was I just wrong? It's like half an hour in now. And I was like, is there no... <laughs> what? <laughs> it's two films. It is two films. Yes, it's, it's, like, it's, it's definitely like, what two do you, films. I guess, because isn't the first, like, Mad Max film not even post-apocalyptic? Yeah, it's not. It's not yeah, at all. and then the second one is... The what? second one is, but they give you no context whatsoever. Yeah, it just Wait, is. the first Mad Max film so isn't post-apocalyptic. Like than an actual sequel. Yeah. What's the first Mad Max film? It's just called Mad Max. It's what happens Mad in Max, it, though? Yeah. It's like a biker gang kidnaps his family, right? What? Yeah, it's on those lines, yeah. But the biker and it just gang shows, kidnaps like, It just Mel shows like, a man family. just derailing mentally and emotionally. Whereas like the second one is like... What? Like uh, Mel Gibson in real life? That's when he lost it. <laughs> Went full method. <laughs> the biker gang are responsible for all the wars in the world. <laughs> if they were, that'd be a real coup. If the Illuminati, a single out to be biker bikers. gang, <laughs> one biker gang. <laughs> they're not even like racist or anything. They just are violent. They just, they and just, British. They, they're violent. They're British, and they're highly interested. They in just, the they just ride up to complex. the White House and just start like tearing circles in the lawn out the front. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just point at the president Joe and go, You know what we want! And then drive off. Stop! We want bears! <laughs> stop! Stop! We spent ages doing those lawns! How, where else is my dad gonna buy more AIDS? Actually, is that dog died now? One of his dogs has died. I think it was it the bitey one. Everyone around him dies. It's quite sad. <laughs> Except for weirdly him. Except for it's him. Odd, he's... Well, that's, that's the curse. That's the what he he drains. He's like a force of entropy. Yeah, it's a sort of Dorian Gray type thing. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, Donald Trump is Joe Biden's portrait. (laughs) 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 Make a lot of sense. (laughs) Oh, 
He's more like a wax figure that's melting. (laughs) Joel Trump looks like a wax figure of Joe Biden that's melted. Um, So, scene six. The Fullers then stop at the same motel and basically almost hit George Clooney, who very casually sort of just wanders in front of them and races Yeah, he almost jumps in front of the car. I think it's deliberate to like get a yeah, look at it them. Yeah, it is. Um, he's, sort of, he's so casual with it, like raising a bit. It's like Boris Johnson entering any room in Downing Street during lockdown. Um, the son is playing the guitar in their room. Dad's having a nap. Quentin Tarantino knocks creepily and asks, like, can I get an ice bucket? Yeah, I'll give it your back. Can I get your ice bucket? I promise I'll give you... I won't fuck it. I promise I won't fuck <laughs> the ice bucket. Pull my balls in it. <laughs> My bars are really hot because of the genital so warts I have. My pants are rather tight. <laughs> I've been sitting above the radiator for so long. Got a, got sunburn on me. On I'm my entirely infertile. <laughs> Doctors say it's a good thing, actually. It suits my lifestyle. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. <laughs> How, how are you doing are you? today? <laughs> yeah, so much. So how are you, mate? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the ice bucket, and then before Harvey Keitel turns to go get the ice bucket, and George Clooney comes in and punches Harvey Keitel right in the face, gets the down the sun on the bed under gunpoint, uh, and then the uh, Kate, the daughter, sort of comes in. I think she she was complaining about there not being a pool, but it does seem like she's been to the pool because she comes in kind of wet and in like a bikini. And I assume she's been to the pool. I don't know what else she'd have been. Into the big ice bucket they have nearby. <laughs> the human-sized one. The human-sized ice bucket. But anyway, so George Key gets the motorhome keys. Queen Tarrant, this is one of the, probably, in my opinion, the most disturbing bit in the movie. This actually quite upset me. I don't know if you ever see him have his weird hallucinating vision again, but the whole kind of world kind of tilts a bit. You get a little bit fish-eye. And from Tarantino's He's perspective... just once, he, but they imply it multiple he, times. Quentin Tarantino basically hallucinates the daughter asking him to eat her out it's just really it's just really upsetting there's no other word for it it's it's again it's the cinematography the way it's filmed the angle the sound effects everything seen tarantino's weird stilted nerdy performance like a less interesting unabomber it's i actually thought it was her she was a vampire for a second that was doing like vampire (laughs) hypnosis on him I was like, that's a really weird turn for this very Christian family. Wow, this this Christian family are actually all vampires. And really, they're all vampires. And she's, they're into some interesting sexual practices. But uh, no, and it's... No, it's just a... Uh, it's just Tarantino being weird, really fucked up. And it is, it is, disturb- like, it is, do you, it is disturbing, isn't it, guys? Yes, it was yeah. very disturbing. I, def- I guess when you have like a sort of slasher, sort of horror, horror film, the characters, their development is more a, simply a tool for the emotional impact of the action. And so I feel like, because it would seem almost like this is quite an irrelevant plot point that he's psycho, but I guess it does kind of come a bit later on. Yeah. And then establishes that she's very, like, sort of smart and ultimately quite a practical person. Um, I think and I it think is... it, it. And then obviously later on, it it's, makes you feel a certain way about certain things that happen. It almost establishes, it helps establish her relationship with George Clooney because he will, he will at points yeah. try and put distance between her and Quentin Tarantino. I think, because he and knows it also it what makes Quentin Tarantino uh, might do. Yeah, 
um, which puts back the honor among thieves kind of thing that Clooney's awful, awful human being, but still, like, his character has in this film. And it, it also, it's, it's kind of a bit like of Mice and Men, where it's clearly his brother's a liability in their What, he's the Lenny, breeze. is he? It just reinforces that again. Yeah, he's the Lenny. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I've not seen all red of my. You've not seen the book before. Not seen the book. I've never even glimpsed it. Um, you only heard it said of Mick and Mickey and Mum. That's how it's pronounced. I've only ever seen it written down. Uh, <laughs> classic reference. Quentin Tarantino then then watches her for ages in like a very creepy way, which is his entire thing in this film. Most of what he does is just watch people creepily. George Clooney then lets her go and put on some clothes. And it's cool because Harvey Keitel then tries to take a stand. He's like, you're not taking my kids. My kids are staying here. I will come with you. I will do whatever you want. But my kids are not going out the door. And George Clooney's like, absolutely not. I'm having all three of you. You're coming in the motorhome with me. You're being my hostages. And it is really tense because, again, we we get this fantastic fiction. Harvey Keitel and George Clooney have brilliant chemistry in this movie. And we get this really excellent fiction between these two characters. it's, it's It's just really good to watch. And it's nice. It's quite nice when they kind of ally later after this it's definitely yeah i think they they do a very good job of like quite quickly establishing everyone's characters okay so we're we're getting halfway halfway point of the film now so they're in the motorhome quinn tarantino is guarding the children uh they have this conversation she's like she's like where are you taking us and he's like mexico (laughs) what's in mexico mexicans which is such a I don't, it sounds like such a Tarantino. In a Tarantino movie, it'd be delivered like usually much more heightened than that. Like, what in fucking Mexico? I don't know, Mexico! Like, that. that's how it would usually be delivered. But this is it, because it's directed by someone else, it's a bit more toned down. But I did I did get a laugh at that. I thought it was quite funny. It's. I, I do think uh, it's George so is very good in this. Nothing. That was Tarantino, that, actually. Oh, but, uh, the, um... George Clooney is good in this, though. Yeah, like, Separate. I think it's... But he the does make Tarantino quite... put in his retainer at this point. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is which is which is again it turns yeah he's like, I gang my chiefs because it's um he's being brotherly to this total psychopath. He's yeah. I thought it's, it's quite, sort uh... of a way of undermining his authority a bit as well, like destabilizing him from being too intimidating to these kids. That to be honest, he just yeah. he doesn't want the kid. He doesn't want Tarantino to be able to do anything to the kids. Yes. And you're He'd right, he's amazing at have playing off go that. Wrong again. Yeah. George Clooney then forces, this is horrible, forces the dad to explain in detail how his wife died. Yeah. Uh, car crash, seven hours in a wreck. It's like really, it's really sadistic. It's really not pleasant. George Clooney also says he had a mate that made his own religion to fuck the IRS, which is something you can do. In America, it's extremely easy to set up your own religion and register it. John Oliver did a piece on it on Last Week Tonight, and they did set up their own religion. <laughs> and it was oh, incredibly was so easy. Funny. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, so then we have um, this... It's a really great conversation between George Clooney, I think, because it's and, and Harvey Keitel, because it's a, it's a threatening way, an interesting way of doing what is exposition. And I think a lot of oh, films, yeah. what you need to do is work out. You need movies and TV shows need exposition. You just have to have it sometimes. So it's about working out how to do that in an interesting way. Uh, I mean, it's easy, easy enough as long as one person just doesn't know. Then obviously that's you can do that to a degree. But even then, there's dialogue that isn't natural that yeah, yeah, slips yeah. into things because of the necessity to explain everything. And like you have characters who are 
in petulant and ask questions even when it would be unrealistic to do so mm. to just yeah you know, to, to establish things but if you make them like make them a dickhead like i can imagine tarantino's character asking questions at a bad time it just depends on how you set the character oh, yeah. as well and to be fair george clooney as well he yeah, seems, yeah definitely um, it, it's definitely the the reason he's doing it is well established in terms of he wants to mm. feel powerful and yeah definitely i mean yeah he's trying to reinforce get his power over everyone that's why he does the retainers to, to Chris Hotino just to reassert his authority as the bigger, more sensible brother. Why he's doing it to to Harvey Keitel? And he explains the situation. You know, I am violent. I'm dangerous. You keep quiet. You cooperate. You live. It's as simple as that. You know. And I keep my restraining order, brother Bait, away from your daughter. And it then cuts to Quentin Tarantino staring slowly at the daughter's body. Of course, starting at her feet and panning up. Thank you, Tarantino. And it, it, again, it, it's really impressive just how with just the cinematography, not even on his character, they make him really disturbing with his weird dead eyes. That's um, no offense to Tarantino. <laughs> but, you know, he does have weird dead eyes in this film. Yeah, I think it's... Because uh, I feel like all his other characters are a bit like either just... Hey guys, how you doing? I'm, I'm just a, him. Oh, I gotta fucking or, do like, this shit. Oh, caricatured... God. Oh of a certain yeah. environment or a certain type yeah. of person whereas this one i feel like is, he's a very he's playing is the most significant character in a in a meaningful he's very way diff- it's definitely the most significant character yeah like I've it's, he's you can played. see why he's been cast in it other than the obvious like fan he's, service he's, well stuff. other than the obvious he's making this he's making this yeah but i mean i, I i'm saying there's reasons to cast him in this role other than the fact that he sucks whiskey off a woman's foot. Or, like, is this I the... Know, I think it was beer. Um, was it beer? Yeah. How dare you not notice that? I was. Were you too, You were too too looking too much at the feet. I was looking too much at the drink. It's just seeing his face. It's just so... <laughs> it's so funny. So now Tarantino asks the daughter if she meant what she said in the room. And all of my skin immediately just sort of came off. I was so distressed. Um, she's obviously very confused. She's like, what, what did I say? What did I say? And before, before we could have Tarantino repeat anything, uh, basically, thank God, George Clooney just stops him and, um, you know, restores my faith in humanity. <laughs> restores my faith in God uh, by stopping him. They reach the US border. There's a very good boy, it's a dog, and lots of bad boys, Border Patrol agents. Now, George Clooney then has Quentin Tarantino go into the bathroom with the daughter, which seems like a fucking great idea. The son and the dad are then told to stay at the wheel, and they're going to try and get them across. The son is basically like, we've got to tell the cops, you know what the cops always say, if you get a chance, you tell us, but the dad won't let them. And I, I mean, I don't know, more of them would have survived if they'd, because I reckon the son and the dad would have survived if they'd told the cops here. The daughter would have died and then the geckos would have been Yeah, killed. the other two would have... The daughter would have definitely died, but I... Oh, yeah. I, I suspect maybe the son of the dad would have survived. So technically, it could have been the better move. But I... Obviously, at the time, I think I agree with the dad. You know, we're just going to be quiet. Because the fact is, there's no guarantee that they're even going to survive this. That's true. So the son is right. probably but... kill the border patrol. I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Scott's, Scott's response is reasonable. He is. He doesn't actually say that much in this movie, but he, he acts... He's well written as like a real realistic teenage boy from like a slightly buttoned up background. Um, now the border patrol agent is hilariously played by Cheech Marin, a man who has more THC in his blood than oxygen. Uh, so I just find the idea of him playing someone who's searching for drugs that 
to stop them going over the border. Fucking hilarious. He knows what he's looking for. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's looking for. He's like, well, there are, you know, you see, like, you'll have, like, uh, police have seized a pile of m- marijuana that weirdly has gone missing. Quentin Tarantino and Gordon Gecko, no, um, George Clooney, start arguing. <laughs> um, and obviously, uh, the daughter, Kate, is they're in the bathroom in this tiny space. And the daughter, with a gun to her head, doesn't even look that scared. She just kind of looks like she's looking at Tarantino like, can you believe this guy? I hate Mondays. <laughs> um, but basically, in their argument, they make a noise, which then obviously attracts the Border Patrol agent to come have a look. Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting how unaware of his surroundings. Yeah, he's address. the thing that's sabotaging them. Gordon, yeah. not Gordon. Um, I don't remember what's his name. Not Gordon Gecko. That's no, a different I know. Gecko. I said that three, like three times. Uh, it's not Geico Gecko either. What's Richard. um Richard Gecko? Dick Gecko. Um. Anyway, so Quick Tattoo is still going on. So George Clooney just one punches him out, just knocks him straight out. Absolutely brilliant. Just a backhand. And the daughter's like, thank you. And George Goose's like, facial expression, yeah, I know. And I love that. Again, this is kind of establishing their relationship with the, the daughter in this sort of kind of grudging respect and almost a bit of appreciation for this guy. Maybe a little bit of free yeah. song there as well. Yeah, I, I really like it. Border agent then opens the toilet because he's like, oh, my daughter's in there. And the Kate's like sat on the toilet pretending to use the toilet. And she's like, close the fucking door. And so he does close the door. But he, like, moves his head to look through the gap as much as he can. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cre- oddly more, specific that more he's... More creepy shit. In later Tarantino movies, we'll, of course, see people like this die horribly. Uh, but sadly, not in this one. I guess he's fairly close to the bar. You know, maybe he got caught in the crossfire <laughs> somehow. Maybe a bullet got shot more than when she's when, shooting holes yeah, in when, the wall Yeah, when, when George Clooney's like, shoot more holes in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> like <that. laughs> the Border Patrol agent's about to open the door to see his, his wife and kids at the at the uh, house they have next to the Aztec temple upon which this <laughs> bar is built. Uh, and yeah, he just killed in a crossfire. One of the many characters Cheech Marin plays in this film that's killed. And scene eight. George Clooney is happy. He's actually really blatantly happy. I, lo- I do love this scene. The music gets really fun. He's happy with not just his brother. He's happy with um, who's still knocked out. He's happy with the kids. He's happy with the dad. He grabs Scott's face and kind of mushes it like he's a pug or a, ba- a baby. Maybe people do that to babies. I don't know. He's like giving them directions to the enticingly titled uh, Titty Twister, uh, which you can't miss. Uh, probably got like five stars on Yelp. I don't think it'd have five stars. No? I think it would have no reviews. I mean, no reviews. George Clooney then rouses Quentin Tarantino and just lies to him. He's like, oh, you just, you just passed out. You just randomly passed out. Oh, you're such a good brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the relationship between them is, quite, again, it's, it's done for, it is sweet, if not horrible and weird. He also broke, he broke Tarantino's glasses when George Clooney punched him in the face. They arrive at the eponymous Titty Twister. There's tyres everywhere, neon signs, big illuminated lady with big illuminated bosoms being tweaked by, as I said uh, earlier, a neon sign hand. It says, open from dusk till dawn. Hey, that's the title of the movie. There's a guy screaming about all the different kinds of pussy they have. There is. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. There's bikers riding around in circles. This place is actually on fire. Like, it's on fire. There's fires everywhere. Um, This set burnt down the exterior set once, uh, probably because of all the fires. Wow. So Cheech Marin, as as Finn uh, intimated before, is back as a character called Chet Pussy. 
acting like basically he's like acting like an auctioneer uh, selling his wares, all of which are yeah. pussy themed. Um, he's basically listing as you said all the types of pussy they have. I'm not quoting. I'm not quoting. Got, from it. And the best one is that you buy one pussy and you get one pussy of equal or lesser quality for just a single just penny. A single penny. Um, I've got that written down later. I'm gonna see if I can find that. Um, equal or lesser quality. He says something else. Um, oh yeah, here we go. I think so. I've been here that he's doing a voice like Watto. Uh, trying to entice people into his bar, which is in the absolute you middle of nowhere. Child, you get another what, child what I find of equal hilarious. or yeah. You get one smear of equal or lesser quality. Watto's Italian. Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere, right? So he's trying to entice people into this bar. But what else would they be doing in absolute middle of nowhere, <laughs> riding bikes in circles outside of the Titty Twister? <laughs> You presume they're going to come in here. He also says, this is the worst. He offers you, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, chicken pussy, which I've written, that's a cloaca, sir. <laughs> come on, Quinton. I don't know I've written, come on, Quinton, what the fuck? And it is a what the fuck, Quinton. Come on, I don't I mean, fucking, the, I understand. The bar it. is the most depraved place. No, I there. know, but fucking, also they don't. It's a lie, by the way, because there's no horse. I don't see any vampire horses. In that, in that bar. Yeah, maybe some of the bats transformed into vampires. Well, one monsters. of them does turn into like a dog monster later. Yeah. Like the fucking, the fucking guy from Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I have written, and I'll stand by this, that these are some of the worst lines I've ever heard in a movie. And yeah, fine, it might be my sensibilities, but I, I still think there are ways of making Chet Pussy a different character. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, though, it's it's absurd maybe i mean i am a bit of a prude so it, it definitely made but it made my skin crawl i think it's supposed to make your skin crawl i, I don't think you're supposed to like most of the things that happen in this film. <laughs> you don't think that chet pussy is actually the hero the true hero of the movie anyway so around chet pussy you've got people riding bikes in circles for no reason people shouting at the walls bikers George Clooney makes this family of Christians go in and wait at which, and it felt kind of like US sitcom levels of cringe. It's like Dwight's worst office prank where he makes them all go to the vampire tip bar. The pussy man tries to stop George Clooney um, and mercifully uh, is shut up by George Clooney beating him to shit. And then Grit Tarantino sort of comes back and kicks him while he's down. He kicks him a few times, it's good. By this point, I had forgotten that vampires were in this film. There haven't been any yet. We're still BV. Now, inside um, the Titty Twister, it's really, really weird. I've written quite a bit about the about the inside of this bar, so I think I'll describe it, and then we can have yeah, a discussion cool. discussion about it, guys. So, okay. It's stone with wall paintings uh, of naked ladies, sort of weirdly Aztec or Gothic crypty, which we'll come to. Uh, it looks like an X-rated London dungeon to me. Um, above, in all these weird little alcoves, from which I don't know how you'd get down. I guess they're vampires, they fly down, but don't know how you'd get up there or down there in the it's first place, a practically. Back door, you know. No, it's just stone alcoves. There ain't no back doors. In various states of undress, lots of women. Um, there's a throng of customers drinking, fighting, playing pool, strippers. There's a rock mariachi band. It's fucking weird what did you guys think about the ambience of what will be the next I mean, 40 minutes my, of this my movie? my thought about the ambience is that this entire film and especially this section is just like a queens of the stone age music video it's like stoner rock from like sort of south california personified into a 
a building, a location. <laughs> There's loads of bikers, and they're all sort of having a good time, and it's just sort of excessively sexualized, and it's very 90s, is my, my, my feeling about it. Faison, what do you think about this, the inside of the Titty Twister? <laughs> I should have to keep saying that. I thought it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'll say on that. (laughs) It's a it's a good piece of set design. It looks like what they're going to do. In this movie, is really good. But 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 like then again, that that's one thing like Robert Riga's doesn't necessarily like like a fault at like most of his films usually have like really really good set design the spy kids um, movies genuinely look quite interesting and fun like they have yeah, and the same thing, for ki- like, i love them when i was kids and they they look i remember seeing sets from them i don't remember sets from any disney channel bloody movies from when i was a kid really bar spy kids that's the thing they with, looked with, interesting that's like the thing with, with Robert rodriguez it's highly stylized and you know you're watching mm. one of his films like you, you don't even need to like know the title you can know it just by watching it yeah to be fair, yeah, I, def- would not, I would not. I would not link this to Spy Kids. I uh, I kind of would. <laughs> like the on. way that the action's directed. Have you I seen like Spy Kids? The, I've seen a very minimal amounts of it, okay. and there's a sort of. I've seen all four. You've seen I've all seen, four. I've seen the first three. I saw the fourth in the cinema. Wow! I know commitment. You were the most Disney Channel kid there could be. I I just want to be a capitalism kid. Um, anyway, Titty Twister's fucking weird, but to be on that set, it's one of those places that's got to feel really real. It's a free, it's a three sixty set, and like and the, the the sort of elements of like a crypt to it, like some of the doors yeah. and things are just mm. so. Wonder why that they is. just but they just fit in really well with the aesthetic of like a yeah of that kind of bar. It's got it's you, gothic. You, I feel and like you, you've probably seen places that aren't like strip clubs that are like that, but are. Like bars with sort the of London, similar the aesthetic. London Dungeons, the London Dungeons. Yeah, yeah. The London Dungeons. I, I get. I love to go to the London Dungeons and get pissed. Do you guys want to do the London Dungeons at some point? <laughs> I love them. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm done. One day when we're all together in London again, we go go do the London Dungeons, and I get a bit pissed before it. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I love them. Um, Danny Trejo is the bartender. He wants George Clooney out because this place is only for truckers and bikers. This is probably one of my favourite conversations in the entire movie. They're about to get into like a proper fight with a, a guy who's like put his hand on George Clooney's shoulders and he hates that. But the, Jacob from the dad um, and Danny Trejo as well basically is like listen, I drive an RV so technically and I need a truck driver's licence for that. So technically I'm a trucker and he whips out his um, pass and I think Danny Trejo respects that because he's like Yeah, he's he playing... looks at the pass and is like he's like yeah, okay. Good enough for me. He's playing by he's playing by Danny Trejo's rules and he's being polite obviously it's more victims as well yeah Daitre accepts that he's quite happy I like Daitre like just like okay cool I, I don't mind this like real dude who's clearly never should never be in a place like this he laughs it's interesting because he respects Robert Fuller's chiller approach clearly much more than George Clooney's like yeah violent approach and I think that's an interesting thing to parallel an environment like this uh, you also see the sun Scott, uh, he's enjoying himself a bit. You can see him sort of looking around like, ooh. Good teenage boy acting. Um, they say to George Cusack, like, is there food here? And Jay Trejo's like, best in Mexico. And George Cusack's like, doubt that. And George Clooney, uh, not George Clooney, um, Jay Trejo looks clearly really put out by the insinuation that the Titty Twister doesn't serve the best food in Mexico, which imagine if it did. Maybe he's got a Michelin. We've got a Michelin star, sir. <laughs> <laughs> sir. 
I mean, our, for certain our Carpaccio is the best to die food. for. Yeah, that's true. George Clooney is just being a massive dick. Basically, he kicks this. He just kicks a guy out of his chair. It doesn't like it's amazing. That guy never comes back up. He never fights. George. He just he just kicks him straight out of the chair like a football. Uh, pulls a stripper down off the table, you know, and then Can he you know, just table, they sits please? down. Then have a sex machine, who I thought looks a bit like Fat Rowan Atkinson. He pulls a beer out of someone's hand with a whip, basically Indiana Jones style. And then he gets fettered, and then Sex Machine's like condom folds down to reveal a dick gun with revolver barrel balls. Uh, I assume this character was from something else, but he's not. He's nope. an original creation for he's, this movie. He is no, sex no explanation. Machine. He he just is Sex Machine. I think I'll put him in the universe, like the Knight Rider universe, with like Kit. <laughs> he's one of his. He's one of the Rogues just, Gallery. Shoot. Which which Fraser? Which Batman villain? No, sorry. Which 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 superhero do you think Sex Machine would best come up against? And Who, who's rogue? Who's rogues gallery should he join as our superhero expert? Isn't like who he should be vill- a villain for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like yeah. the Joker for Batman, or and then maybe eventually Mr. Freeze an for Batman. With yeah, oh, he can evolve. Who, who, whose rogues gallery does he fit best into? Somehow I feel the Flash, but I don't know why. <laughs> I think. I think he'd probably like fit the bill for like a, a number of characters, mainly probably I can see him being a good villain for the Flash. Well he just he just puts his whip down and trips him up. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like Mirror Master, Golden Glider, Sex Machine, Captain Mr. Free Mr. Freeze, which is also Captain like Cold. Batman as well, um, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the jo- the Joker's recruiting the best. He could steal the whip could be Catwoman's whip that he stole. He stole it with another whip. <laughs> if if the real question was what like hero would he be, Who would what, what character would he be, would he be like best equated to? I was actually thinking like Sex Machine kind of like reminded me of Lobo in many ways. <laughs> yeah, he does look like Lobo. Yes, you're totally right. Oh my god, Lo- a Lobo and Sex Machine like buddy buddy cop or like road tr- galactic road trip. Let's let's we can petition DC. To make it happen. I'm sure he could just, you know, like how uh, Danny DeVito wrote a Penguin comic. Did he? he? Have. Yeah, he wrote one of, with um, where it's him and him and Catwoman. Uh, it's like a love it's story. Best friend, and, is it? And they steal COVID vaccines to give to people. Is that a genuinely real? That is a real Is it an comic. official? Official? I think I think well, it's written with a... a a writer who is okay. a comic book writer. <laughs> Has he got a DC stamp on it? I don't know. If it, I, I'm not exactly sure the, 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 the validity of it, but all I know is that he checked with the actress who played Catwoman in the film he was in um, yes. if if she thought it was like an appropriate story. Penguin and Catwoman solve COVID bang in Danny DeVito's Batman comic. That's the headline from Polygon. Um, that is hilarious. Isn't it? It's really sweet. Because Danny DeVito has a real soft spot for Penguin. Like, after okay. playing him. Oh, it's properly illustrated. And yes, it was a it was a, a big, like, a mega bumper issue that had, like, four or five stories in it. And one of them was this, written by Danny DeVito. It's really properly illustrated. That's hilarious. That's amazing. Right. Anyway, George Clooney then teaches Kate how to down whiskey. It's why we need Jack here, so he can evaluate whiskey techniques. She's less than 21, though. Uh-oh, you know, breaking the law. You can't do that. Kids are kind of getting into this now, and they're, like, drinking. 
downing pints. You then meet Frost in the background. He's trying to build some dominoes and a stripper is dancing on the table as she wobbles the table and the dominoes fall over. And I laughed. And that comes back later as well. Then there's a fantastic scene with Harvey Cartel and George Clooney where he says to George Clooney, are you such a fucking loser? that you can't tell when you've won because George Clooney's being like a massive asshole about that guy that put his hand on him. And he makes like a really good point to George Clooney, which is that you've won, you've done it, you don't need to be pissed off anymore. And obviously George Clooney wants to have a problem with Harvey Cartel for this, but he knows he's right. Yeah. He basically sounds like, you're going to have a drink with me. And that's like, if you don't have a drink with me, kind of sense he's going to fucking kill Harvey Cartel maybe. But they do have a drink. And there's you, again, you're getting this mutual respect now a character called Santiago Santanico Pandemonium enters. Satanico Pandemonium. Uh, evil vampire dancer. Um, or good vibe, vampire dancer. We'll see. Evil. Uh, well, she's like a snake person, actually. Um, you could be two we, things. Which we'll get to. Evil vampire snake person who are covered more in the TV I guess all series. of the dancers are vampires. So... But some of them are snake monsters. I don't know much about the snake monsters, but they're covered more in the sequels and in the TV show that is a remake of this film. So the TV show is this film. So, they recast so are the snake the monsters a parallel vampire type? They're like Aztec-y kind of monsters. Yeah, they're to do with the vampires. She's dancing and she has a snake around her. I think it's a Burmese python, an albino Burmese python, just from looking at it. Um, and honestly, I was going to say fucking good on the actress. And I looked it up. So that's Salma Hayek, the very famous actress Salma Hayek. Um, who we all know as an Eternal, of course, in the best Marvel movie. Uh, and as oh. Kitty- Yeah, yeah, no, the best. No, 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 no other words on that. I actually thought The Eternals wasn't a bad film. <laughs> Did you actually? I've not seen it. coming from me. Yeah, I, 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 Everyone else it. I know who's seen it hated it. I, I, I've only heard a bad face of one friend who's obsessed with, like, Chloe. Like, he's obsessed with, like, movies, and he loves, like, Chloe Zhao. So, like, he was just always going to like it. Uh... Sama Hayek, apparently she was afraid of snakes and had to go for therapy for two months to be able to do this dance. And then the I, dance is like improvised. I, you could kind of tell a little good bit on her. that she was a little nervous at the nah. snake. It's good. On, you would be. You, you would it. be. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, all props to her. But yeah, she's also, an amazing actress. She's brilliant. Like, you really, um, really I, liked it. I really like snakes. You really like snakes. I really like snakes. Really, really like them. I really like snakes. And I just thought, I thought it was really impressive that she... I like people coming over their phobias as someone that's never really managed to escape his phobia of wasps. So I, I'm impressed that she so was when, able when to when I eventually cast you in a film where snakes. you have to dance nude in a jar <laughs> when you, full of wasps. When you recast cast <laughs> me in the remake of uh, The Wicker Man, but <laughs> instead of bees, it's wasps. <laughs> Not the wasps! <laughs> And then assistants steal her snack and she makes her way across the tables. And I love this. You might not have noticed. As she does so, she knocks over Frost Dominoes again. Yes. Which is so good. Right, this is the bit. Frost looks so angry. It's He's so great. put out. He's so annoyed. He's so ready to murder everyone in that bar. She heads straight for Tarantino. She picks up his drink. She pours it down his her leg, shoving her foot into his mouth so he can drink it. And Tarantino wrote this film. And that's a part he wrote, a thing he knew he'd get to do. Come on, Quinton. Did he write this so that Summer Hayek would have to shove her foot? To be fair, I don't know how I don't know how rigid the scripts are in the early stages of Oh, you think this was improvised? Well like yeah, it might be improvised or it might be like just something that the director thought would be not uh, a single, not a single part of me doesn't think this was written by Quentin Tarantino. 
I mean, I can find, should I find the shooting script? I mean, the fact is, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a Tarantino film. Like, if you're on board, then that's just, you're going to have to get your feet out, you know? The word feet shows up 12 times in this script. Um, I don't know. Actually, maybe it's not. I don't, I don't see reference to feet in, in the script for this area. Um, so maybe, maybe actually, um, maybe it was improvised. <laughs> Does that make it better or worse? I don't know. I don't know. I can't find it. Because maybe it's as much a joke at Tarantino's expense. You know, it's let's just let's just do the the biggest foot moment in any Tarantino film. Oh yeah, here we go. No 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 no. Richie me- Richie mesmerized sucks the whiskey off her toes. Whiskey told you it's whiskey. Oh, you're right. The crowd goes wild. Santiago. Sm- Santonico smiles master of all she surveys that's what the script says Um, anyway she also then goes down to his face and spits the drink into his mouth yes Uh, and the daughter looks rightfully disturbed but the son is like watching like yeah into this this is his sexual there's that line earlier where it's like if you want to dance with him just say yeah yeah (laughs) that's almost a bit pally of Tarantino um then check yeah. pussy comes it's the back. The nicest in. thing he's capable of doing is offering <laughs> an underage boy a lap dance. That is not his. Not him. That not his lap dance. Personally, uh, check pussy comes in. He recruits some heavies. It's time to avenge. It's time for a fight. Danny Trejo stabs Quentin Tarantino right in the handhole. Which oh. uh Quentin uh, George Clooney shoots the guy who put his hand on him before. Uh, Quentin Tarantino stabs Danny Trejo repeatedly, and then they murder. Chet Pussy, oh no. But Tarantino is bleeding. Not Chet Pussy. Not Chet Pussy, our favourite character. Anyone but Chet. He can no longer offer his various wares. Quinta, uh, but Quinta Tarantino is bleeding and it zooms in on Selma Hayek and she's like focusing in on the blood. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a vampire movie. And then she turns into a snake vampire monster. Basically like Animorphs style. You guys know yeah, Animorphs? There's like three or Basically, four animorphs? steps in between. Yeah, I know Animorphs. I used yeah. to read it in the library. Yeah, it's, does this not... Does this not give major Animorphs oh, vibes did, the transformation? Did. Serious it's so animals. So she attacks Quentin Tarantino. She bites him in the neck. He's bleeding bad. George Clooney like shoots Salma Hayek. All the dead guys then get up as vampires. Basically, uh, and this all is, the bar staff. Yeah, it's morbid time, guys. It's morbid time. It's morbid time it's because morbid. they let's look. Date this. Let's date this podcast. It's morbid time. This podcast was being recorded on the fifth of June. I'm happy to really date this. Like the makeup, they look actually do look like Morbius. <laughs> they do, like they do a bit. And do you know what? They look better than Morbius. They look better than I'm Morbius. I'm willing to stake that they look better than Morbius in this 1996 practical effects movie versus the CGI Jared Leto. Yeah, they re-released Morbius, Sony. I think trying to cash in on all the internet memes, and apparently it only took yeah. eighty-five thousand worldwide in the on the day. But yeah, if I had a cinema to myself or with friends, I could go see yeah. Morbius. I would do that. Yeah, as long as you're able to just like have the whole room to yourself, absolutely. So you could really, yeah, yeah. With just mates, touch I'm not yourself Morbius to see, you know, seeing Morbin. Touch, Morbin touch. touch myself. <laughs> yeah, it's the Jared Leto experience, you know. Uh, what? Send myself some used condoms. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you're not really watching Jared Leto unless no. you, you know, throw used condoms well, at people. He's a, he's a method actor, so you're never truly watching Jared Leto. You know Matt he. You know, he, he, he kept using the crutches when he went to the bathroom in between takes. So he'd take ages to go to the bathroom. Well, he's because he's a method actor. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's method. I don't think he's an actor. And um, Matt Smith said, he was asked, oh, what was it like working with Jared Leto? And Matt Smith said, um, 
oh, well, I never really got to know Jared because I was, you know, he was in character the whole time. And I'm thinking, fucking hell, fucking, fuck you, That's Jared. a really good so, response. Matt Smith's like, but yeah, I'd love to work with Jared again because Matt Smith's a kind I'd of I'd love act. to work with Jared. I, I've never met the man. <laughs> I'd love to work with Jared once. <laughs> Uh, just once, please, Jared. I've, I've opened up to you. I've opened my heart to you. Uh, anyway, uh, Danny Trejo, vampire, attacks sex machine, and then his dick gun saves him. A lady seals the room, and vampire strippers attack, and it's utter chaos. But it's an, it's an amazing scene, really well coordinated. It's just one of those scenes you know you've seen in other films where things are just people are fighting everywhere. It's chaos, loads of cuts. Um, the mariachi band have turned into vampires. And all their instruments are made of flesh. And the guitar, right, guys? Correct me if I'm right. It's a torso with a head on it at the back and then one leg to form, yeah, yeah. like, the end of the guitar. And yeah. it's all wobbly. And the head's, like, wobbling around. It's amazing. It's this is so when I was good. like, I was like, am I literally watching a Queens of the Stone Age music video or something at this point? It's brilliant. I was like, what's um, happening? There's heads, heads flying everywhere. Yeah. Blood, bodies, it's amazing. The the pussy vampire, Chet Pussy, he goes goes for Kate. He says a terrible line that almost feels ironic, but it didn't quite work for me, which was, you know what everyone says about me? I suck. Which I was like, in a different movie, in Spy Kids, when the vampires it's like not rude enough. I think but... it's it, it's kinda of, I, I think it's kinda of funny just given the the immediate aftermath when he gets the cross yeah, put down his throat. yeah, that's true. It's amazing what happened. For me, I think the thing is, it's not. Oh, it goes down his throat. Ah, I see. Yeah, that's why he they can't get it back. And then he dies. So I'm so used to there being like more swears, like I fucking suck or something like that. The fact that it was like so PG threw me a little bit. Yeah, he's a vampire. He doesn't understand these things. <laughs> he's actually a P- very PG vampire, Chet Pussy. Yeah, he's very isolated from. He's like Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, but reverse. As the vampire, he's actually very, he's very polite, very but polite. obviously bloodthirsty and murderous, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a total deviant. It, ba- it still, bounces but... out, doesn't it? It bounces out, right? Mm. The human part of him is still a deviant, but the vampire part of him is uh, a gentleman. <laughs> she puts her cross on him. Yeah, he swallows it because st- he looks at his stomach. He's like, Ugh. and then he practical effects just melts and seltzer, yeah, it, it's seltzer like, uh, sprays Indiana, from his eyes. Yeah, Jones. It is, it is like that. Or Kane in Doctor Who episode, Dragonfire. Anyway, Celsa sprays from Chet Pussy Vampire's eyes and covers her and then he smushes into like this skeleton. It's fantastic. It's an amazing practical effect. Again, it doesn't look real, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, that's what's nice about these practical effects is it's just fucking cool. Frost flips a table and then in a series of cuts, slams a vampire onto each leg oh, of so the table. <laughs> He's brilliant. It just establishes immediately that he is clearly the most powerful Badass. person in the room. I'd um, I'd like it as like a bigger table. It's got more legs. <laughs> you know, it's one of those tables where you can like extend it, and then he like he it's like extends a, it a little bit, puts up leaf, the other leg, leaf table. Then dush, dush. <laughs> he's got like um. It's like an unassembled IKEA bookcase, so like more parts are exposed. <laughs> George Key then fights Selma Hayek um, as he does so. Sex Machine kills a lady vampire of a pool cue, and as I said earlier, knocks her onto a pile of bodies. When I play the game Dishonored, I make a body pile and I will drag people across the map to my body pile. And gather them. This is what that was. <laughs> I gather them. Well, then you lay eggs in it. I do, not not my Dishonored character. Yes. Yeah, like a parasitic wasp that I am. 
Danny Trejo fights Sex Machine um, with this pool cue and this whip. It's very, very cool. Sex Machine stabs Danny Trejo through the heart and he catches fire. George Clooney gets pinned by Salma Hayek and she's basically saying, I'm going to drain you mostly. I'm going to turn you into like my fool. This is what you were saying before. You know, I'm going to turn you into someone that's going to lick the dog During this, shit she's like, she's got her boot. foot on his like neck and is like holding him How down. is she going to tread on dog shit? She's, just, she's in the middle of nowhere and she can't go anywhere. She's a vampire. There's dogs. There's like vampire dogs. The dog man. I think he was like a rat anyway. She changes into another bad snake vampire, but they cut so they'd have to show the CGI transformation anymore. <laughs> this is awesome. George Key shoots out the chandelier above her and she gets just impaled. I, it's mad. Then you've got the big guy from before. So a, a, he's coming for George Clooney and a guy smashes a chair over him. Absolutely doesn't react. The, the vampire just snaps his neck. And then yes. another guy does it, and the vampire snaps his neck too, just like, just like, just like that, just like really easy. It's it's so cool. He comes for for Fuller and George Clooney, and Frost comes in, whips by anything you gotta say to them, and he just drive by, rips out his heart. Yep. How cool is this shot, guys? It's just cool it, it's it's a uh, like a kung fu movie. <laughs> they then beat the vampire. And Sex Machine stabs him, stabs the heart, which is with, being held. With a pencil. With just like a pencil. And the vampire just explodes. They didn't really need to beat the vampire. <laughs> but they did. And then you have like, it's a four versus four murder fun with um, the four guys and four remaining vampires. It's quite short, but it felt quite Tarantino. You know, he's not directing it. Like a short, quite violent, visceral fight. One of these vampires, the one that's kind of like a big bat monster. She's actually a vampire that has a mouth in her stomach. And there's a deleted scene. She's keeping a guy on her lap, but she's not really doing anything. She's like licking his face. And then eventually, when it's time to fight, she opens her mouth, stomach, and like shoves him in. And Quentin Tarantino thought the scene was so gross that he um he was like, I'm not, I'm not having that in it. I'm not even watching it. And I was like, this scene is fine. There's another scene with Selma Hayek where a snake comes out of her mouth and bites a guy's head off. <laughs> That's another deleted scene. Really bad CGI snake. It's fucking no, you wonder why they were cut. The band is still there. And so... They're still playing, it's great. Yeah. Now let's kill that fucking band. And the band, the vampire, says something like, Fuck you, everybody, good night! And they just explode. Yeah, they just explode <laughs> and leave. I think they die. Like, I think they I just kill themselves. A dead man's trick. <laughs> it's brilliant. George Clean kneels over Quentin Tarantino's dead body. He's like, sorry, I, I love you, you know. It's, it is sad. Then Tarantino's like, I love you too. And comes back as a vampire. And now we have a Quentin Tarantino vampire. That is and something it, I he, never he thought looks I would see. more Quentin Tarantino than ever. Doesn't it's... look very vampire. He looks very Tarantino. He looks like a sort of Frankenstein's monster from like... He looks like what Tarantino will look like in about 30 years. <laughs> what is... I mean, uh, I mean that, that's... I don't think he'll be bit, as that a bit large. Rude, a bit harsh? His head is very large. <laughs> you don't think he'll be as big? I think he'll get some junk in that head trunk. That uh, that's how it works, right? You put on weight. Your brain's made of fat, so you put yeah, on yeah. weight there. Yeah, yeah. Tarantino's got that big, big brain energy. George Key won't let anyone touch Tarantino. You know, um, he's like, I will kill you if you kill my brother. It's uh, But basically, it's up to him. Uh, so he makes them hold Tarantino as George Clooney then stakes him through the heart. And Tarantino dissolves, leaving just his arms behind yeah. them, being still held by Sex Machine and um, and, and Frost. Oh. And he says, let me give you the peace in death I couldn't give you in life, which is very good. And you know, again, keeps building this brotherly relationship. Kate asks George Clooney how he is, and so does Fuller. 
they do kind of care about each other and also they need each other. It's just, I love the interplay between these characters. And then there's this like noise. That's It's a cat. A cat's going to come over now. And it's just thousands of vampire bats outside. Or they're just near a cave. Kate is then sort of backing up. She's getting nervous about the noise. And she almost trips over all these like dead bodies. It's like, do you remember guys at the end of Kill Bill Volume 1 where... The, oh, the yeah. owner of the the owner of the restaurant's like stumbling and almost slipping on the blood over all these dead bodies of the crazy eighty eight. Like yeah, they they run away and it's quite uh, it's very it just they lose all grace. Um, but then a crawling vampire, a trucker vampire, sort of crawls over. He's like legs are all fucked. He looks like a crawler from Call of Duty. It's pretty cool. And then we get these trucker vampires. And honestly, yeah, so this it's is all like, the ones who were drained in the first, who were drained in the fight, fight. are now coming back. Sex Machine and Frost make this great team. They're just killing fucking vampires. Uh, and Kate asks Sex Machine, what's your, what's your name? Sex Machine, man, pleased to meet you, miss. Or something. I was just like, that's just his name. His yep. name is Sex Machine. That's just what he's called. He doesn't use his sex he's gun. He's forgotten his often. original name, if you, even if he had one, you know. It's been so long. He's like the doctor. <laughs> the name you take is like a promise you make. He's the one that broke the promise, and he then instead of John Hurt, of sex. instead of John Hurt, it's like it's like celibate machine, the one who doesn't sex, who failed, the one who broke the sex promise. <laughs> uh, uh, Kate psychs herself up to stake a dead trucker, but she like can't do it until he wakes up. That sort of distracts Sex Machine, and he gets bitten and hides that, which will which will come back. God, I'm actually nearly the end of the film. I'm almost onto my notes. They all agree, by the way, at this point, they haven't agreed yet that it's vampires. They now agree it's vampires. They're all saying, I don't believe in vampires, but also... Also, they're clearly vampires. The son then makes a Hammer Horror reference when they're talking about like the weapons. Like, well, Peter Cushing uses crosses. I like, did not expect a Peter Cushing reference here. They sort of gather their weapons, as crosses, holy water, what can they use? George Clooney is this faithless preacher. We need someone who's not faithless. A preacher who's got his faith back. That's a useful weapon. You, you're useless. And obviously Fuller then punches George Clooney in the face. I like the, the silver comment as well. What, it's it's well like Silver bullets. And then, and then they're like, well, do we even have any? Does anyone have any silver? It's like, well, no. Well, then it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the idea that if the vampires are from hell, then there must be a heaven is quite a cool thing. Now, and then we get Frost's backstory that he's just telling about how in Vietnam he was left for dead in a pit of corpses. <laughs> it's so, it's so he good. Just, <laughs> he was apparently scarred by a grenade, but he looks absolutely fine. So I'm not really sure. Did you guys notice anything with his like, face? Because I thought he just looked fine. No, not really. No. Apparently he was scarred by a grenade. Um, he, as, as he's just going on about how he murdered all these Viet Cong single-handedly. He, he took out a whole platoon on his own. Yeah. Sex Machine starts to hear voices urging him to kill. Sex Machine starts to change his hands, go vampy first. He like hides them, like whoop. Guys, it's like it's like a um, it almost is like a sitcom where like a magic based sitcom where he's turning back into a horse, and so he's like he has to hide it. Yes, at the restaurant with his dates, he's having to go into the bathroom. But then um, as uh, Frost keeps talking, he kind of sneaks up behind Frost, kind of like taps him on his shoulders from behind, hello, and then just bites him on the neck. Then you've got fantastic fight. People are just being chucked. Yeah, this is where Fuller gets bitten and he gets chucked into like the bar, smashed all the bottles. Yeah. And then just chucks Kate across the room, hits Scott in the face, backhands him, and then fights Frost. He uh, Frost 
throws Sex Machine after he gets bit through the door, which then lets all the bats in, and they swirl around this really terrible claymation-looking frost, who then commands the bats to chase George Clooney and the kids, and they run down this Aztec temple-style corridor and lock themselves in. Yeah, the, the corridor looks almost... It looks kind of like a, a path, passageway under a church or something as well. Like It reminds me of like a more traditional vampire setting. It's, it's gothic. Yeah. Burning braziers and similar. This is, for me, something I think a bit different in a Tarantino movie as well, which is that the main character's on the back foot. For me, at least my perception of Tarantino movies, I want to know what you guys think. A lot of the time, the characters, they might not be like winning, but they've always got a plan, and they're always... They've got a trajectory towards some sort of goal. That's certainly how I feel like... Yeah, Bill. I guess it's horror's a bit different. Horror... Mm. As a genre, you you the main characters are almost always on a on the back foot, and it it it, it is a complete opposite from what you see in in the usual Tarantino films, and I think this kind of like marks that. I, I don't think it starts to mark a, a turning point because we do see, but I, I think like this, I, I I do think it's very very. It is a departure from what you usually see. Mm. But, but I'd like but even I'd then, like more of this, honestly. They, more to, when more they get their plan Tarantino. together after, though. Yeah, that's but that's the like thing. It's going to change. Yeah. It felt a bit like to me like the bit in the Disney Channel movie. Again, that definitely felt a Disney Channel movie where the kids got the water guard. They're like they're all suiting up. Um Kate wants to get back for the dad. George Cruiser, absolutely not. He's dead. Cuts to the dad, still alive, under the bar, bandaging himself up, finds a baseball bat. I'm like, okay, cool. Then finds a shotgun. He holds them together to make a cross. It's so good. It's so <laughs> incredible. He comes up into the face, he's hundreds of the same six vampires who didn't have many costumes. He starts talking Bible verses, and when one attacks them, he shoots it, right, with the cross gun, and then reloads by, like, pulling the baseball bat down, so it keeps it as a cross. It's so cool, and he repeats it, and is able to reach the others. He's bit. George Clooney's genuinely pissed off as well, that he's kind of his friend. He's gonna turn. He does clearly give a shit about these people now. So the plan is to kill the vampires before Harvey Keitel turns. That's, that's the plan. Simple yeah. plan. and, like... George Clooney, I like George Clooney's quote where it's like, I don't I don't care about surviving at this point. I just want to kill as many of these fuckers as possible. And so that's why they can use all the abandoned trucker supplies <laughs> that have been abandoned by all the truckers that have been killed here. And they do it in this montage. So George Clooney gets a pneumatic stake. Kate finds a really cool crossbow. Cr- cross. Maybe that makes it more dangerous. I guess it's like, well, it's like a wooden stake. You know, it's like, as long as it's a stake through the heart, then it will... Yeah, yeah. I was thinking yeah. if the fact that it's a crossbow makes it more like a cross, which makes it more dangerous. More religious. Yeah. <laughs> a more religious kind of weapon than your typical typical gun. Scott gets a water gun and some condoms, which they fill which with blessed they bless holy water. They holy water. Which is amazing. Which is... Okay. This okay, is so the most powerful weapon. This. It is. It's so... It's so... It, Later, like, Scott uses it and it's like a flamethrower. And he only uses it like twice. He should use it like he should be leading the way, just, or like why don't they balloons. just chuck it? Yeah, in like in like um, a TV show episode or something. The solution is to put holy water in a sprinkler system. Do you know what <laughs> I mean like that's that's the catch-all solution? And then it's automatic baptisms as well for any humans that are left. Um, Jacob gets some some guns marked with with crosses, so bullets marked with crosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I've seen that in other dumb-dumbs. movies as well. It's pretty good. Jacob then is like telling his kids and George Clooney, "When I turn, kill me." And George Clooney's like, yeah, okay. And the kids are like, not happy about it. They're not keen. They use the cross to push... Crush? They use the cross to push back the horde. Uh, um, push back the horde to the main room. There's this standoff. And then they just start 
fucking mowing down the zombies. The holy water bombs are like acids. Just yeah, it's, and it's like a single off. drop, and then, then like, the, zombie, uh, the vampire dies. They're just, and it's they're like, just this is... on fire. The Kate Kate has the high ground. She's crossbowing people. They're staking. Like, okay, hear me oh, out. It's here. Incredible. Imagine on, a four-player cop shooter, right? Set in the Dust Till Dawn universe. So there is a video game from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> I was going to talk about later. It's 2001. It was Windows oh, exclusive. Which is nice. very weird for a um, and North America exclusive. It's really weird for a movie tying game. It's a sequel. In the sequel, uh, Judge Clooney goes to prison anyway, and then uh, vampires start the prison. Like, what's the fucking point if he goes what? to prison anyway? Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Apparently, it's not that bad. Like six out of ten, which is better nice. than you can expect for. It's much better than you can expect for a lot of these games. But um, vampire sex machine drops from the roof. George Clooney whips him. And then rips his head off with the whip. It rolls yep. to Kate, who crossbows him in the eye. Ah! Oh. And then, because I guess his heart hasn't been destroyed, Sex Machine turns into the wolf monster. Or the weirdest the puppetry dog. I've ever seen in a film. Is it a rat or is it a dog, do you think, Faze? I, I, I heard people say it's a rat. I've heard other people say it's, I, a, it's meant to be like a werewolf. Either way, oh, it's, it's like weird. A hellhound. It is weird. It's cool, yeah, but weird. It doesn't, does it belong? I would maybe, I would keep it in the film, but it doesn't need to be in the film. It, it gave me serious labyrinth vibes. It adds, <laughs> it yeah, adds the vampires the give me labyrinth vibes as well, actually. It adds to the film because it makes just the whole act of killing him and the fact that he didn't tell them more farcical and more. Yeah. Maybe if you've got a crotch gun, you turn it into whatever that is. A weird hellhound. Weird hellhound. Or possibly a Shrivendale from the 1978 Doctor Who episode, The Ryboss Operation, which it genuinely looks like. And I all I had to do for that was Google the date because I remembered all the other details. Oh, isn't my life fun? Um, <laughs> it's a wonder I'm not more popular, isn't it? You know so much about Doctor Who. What, about Doctor what, Who. what could you possibly do more? What could I do more to society that I'm not getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom? Anyway, this rat monster, maybe a sort of mut- a mutant Ron Weasley or Shredder from the Ninja Turtles. Not Shredder, the other one. Splinter. It's not what Ron, is it's Shredder? the other guy who's the rat. Yeah, but no, Ron has the rat. Ron has that yeah, adult but... man as his, wa- as his rat pet. He has uh, the well, man maybe who I'm, watches him maybe, masturbate. Maybe I'm just saying... <laughs> yeah, the man who canonically... Maybe I just think that um, Rupert Grint looks a bit like a rat. That's or maybe cool. I don't. Slander. Slander? Libel? Whichever. Um, Kate nails it right in the forehead, the rat. George Clooney then kicks the dog monster really far into like a fire and it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> it just explodes. <laughs> it's so good. Jacob fights Vampire Frost. He shoves his shotgun through him. And yep. shoots the other vampires. Using him as like a human shield. And then Frost kind of melts like Jack Baker in Resident Evil 7. I've been playing Resident Evil 7, by the way. It's not... I don't enjoy it, but I am going to try and finish it. What? It's hard and scary. Yeah, I was going to say, this is not a game for you. thing is, the way I'm doing it, just a separate aside, the way I'm playing Resident Evil 7 is I am uh, role-playing as like an estate agent who's here to help them sell their house. It helps you with the, the fear level. You know, yeah. estate agents aren't real people, so they, they don't feel fear. No, they deserve to die as well. I mean, we can all, we all agree on that. I think that was Faiza who said that, actually. Everybody said it. <laughs> Everyone's fought it. Yeah. No one said Before it. I go to sleep, I chant it. <laughs> it one day might come true. No, I have nothing against estate agents. 
The Quentin Quarantino podcast holds no strong opinions. The Quentin Quarantino podcast sponsored this by <laughs> the Quentin Quarantino podcast sponsored by estate agents. We take your money and provide very little. <laughs> we help you find a house that you can't <laughs> afford. Anyway, so the vamps stop. Don't attack Jacob and realize that's when he's turned. And it feels quite sad, this lovely man. And he, he turns and he's a vampire and he absolutely bites the shit out of his son who condoms him in the head, giving us a fantastic practical effect dummy of half of Harvey Keitel's like face just melted. Oh, that was like a really cool prosthetic where he turns his it's head and just like so half it's just yeah, gone. yeah, yeah. You can see, his you can brain see like his skull and his brain, can't you? And like green, the bloody yeah. screen to get past the sensors and his goopy Futurama sewer water. And then Scott blows his dad's head off, and it's Good fucking lad. cool. Good boy. But Kate is obviously not okay with it. Josky snaps at her, and then Scott is set upon by vampires like he's a toilet roll in March 2020. I, I mean, was gruesome. It's it's nuts, isn't it? Like just being torn apart, this kid. Um, it's like the most violent. It's the most, most graphic violent, yeah. yeah. And slow, it lingers like for ages. Because everybody else just gets like a quick, funny kill. Gets just killed. Kill shot. Yeah, yeah. Most of them get like like quick, funny deaths. He's like he's like slowly being ripped apart. It's yeah. And as he's ripped apart, he begs Kate to kill him, and she like says she can't. But then immediately, I think as soon as he visibly dies shoots she him shoot. because he's a vampire and so when he's up he explodes and <laughs> so shoots him once he explodes Always. and takes out all the vampires around him and yeah. it's like she gets covered like she's in like a nicktoons game show and so it just comes down to just george clooney and kate which i didn't expect and actually this is this is kind of the sun they think well we're fucked all these vampires left and then the sun starts rising and it looks awesome doesn't it like these shafts of light yeah just bursting in through holes in the wall that have been created in the fight, which is just super cool. And vampires are going, ah, like kind of smart. Oh. Ah, um, don't do that. And so they're like, ow, 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 they're saved by the bell end and um they're saved by a disco ball all the light from the sun from the light coming in through the door hits the disco ball which fires these rays of light around and as each one hits a different vampire that vampire explodes and it does each vampire individually she's getting to see all these vampires explode and it burns burns the place down kind of so good it's amazing. But also, it for some reason, my Prime stream couldn't handle it and it kept pixelating at this bit. But it is incredible. It's so brilliant. And that's, that's I mean, that's it. That's it for the vampires, basically. This is now in the, 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 the AV section of the show. Um, yes. George Clooney punches Cheech Marin, who is playing a third character <laughs> um, <laughs> as Carlos. Um, why did we have to meet here? And he's like, one place is as good as another. It's like, fuck me. He's never been before. He just chose it randomly. Obviously, George Clooney is really pissed because his brother is dead. The whole Kate's whole family are dead. And, and, and uh, Carlos is like, what, but he's psychos? He's like, no, psychos, psychos don't, explode don't explode on contact with sunlight, no matter how psycho they are. <laughs> I was like, the world would be a very different place if psychos explode. You'd just be walking down the street and some like weird guy behind you would just catch fire. Ah, uh, um, I'd say safer place if the world 
if if psychos exploded so like, that feels like from the makers of the purge psycho nighttime if that was like an evolutionary thing humanity probably would have died why would it be an evolutionary thing oh i see <laughs> what what would the selective advantage be to exploding if you're a psychopath exploding i guess actually the advantage is that the psychopath gene um explodes in contact with sunlight which means you will die yes yeah, so and the psychopath gene immediately will explode. <laughs> um Carl's like, what can I do to make it up for you? Just like, nothing. Uh, Kate's just being dazed and confused in the background. Just he basically eventually gets down to, fine, we'll get 20% cut of this. You've reduced your cut. I'm getting more money. Kate gets the briefcase of money. George Key gets a new car. Yeah, I think the, George... dif- the difference is given to her, basically, I think. Yes, yeah, so she gets a nice chunk of change. Um, George Key says to her, yeah, I'm sorry. And then, and I think, honestly, there's another way this film can end where she fucking kills him. And that's, I think, also an acceptable way this film ends. I'm not displeased with the ending, but I think that would also have been an interesting way of ending it. Like, I guess she knows that he is, in fact, a victim of this same tragedy in his own way, because he didn't expect it to happen. But it's still his fault for taking them hostage. Yeah, exactly. She sort of offers to go with him, but he won't let her, which is good. I think that's the worst ending as well. Is he? She has to go. She goes with him to become like this criminal. So she gets to return to her life. Kind of still gets to choose whether or not she wants to be that person anymore. She stays with the RV and then she sort of drives off. And the camera pans back. We've alluded to this to show that the titty twister is just the top of a massive Aztec step temple protruding from the ground. And the film ends. And behind it is a a landfill of trucks and bones nuts uh, i don't even think and the sequels i think address it a bit more i know that the third one involves is set in revolutionary mexico it involves pancho villa uh, and more aztec aztec monsters and there's not even a clickbait ending with michael keaton in like a post credit scene like for another vampire movie we could name that is from dust till dawn what did you guys uh, think of that movie I'll, I'll quickly go i really liked it it's probably my least favorite of the tarantino films we've seen but that's because i like them more than i like this um i wish there was more vampires i wish the vampires had come in earlier it, it's interesting and funny and most of the characters are cool it's just it's just maybe a bit too hardcore in some places maybe would be what i'd say personally i but- would agree like I, I i enjoyed it but like it was definitely a slow burner for me at the beginning mm, and yeah. it didn't really pick up for me until you actually get to the titty twister the bar van. um <laughs> and then afterwards it's just like for me it's just it's just kind of like a bit too. It's, it's, I, I don't want to say hardcore because it's definitely not the most hardcore film I've ever seen, but it definitely got a bit much for me. And I kind of, it kind of like, mm. it, it would pick my attention, then it would lose me, then it would pick my attention again, and then it would lose me. I, I definitely think it's probably, I think, I think I definitely rate Jackie Brown higher than this. Yeah, well, Jackie Brown's my favorite. So I would like, yeah, I would put Jackie Brown. Obviously, I'd put it above this. I'd put my least favorite Tarantino, I think, is Reservoir Dogs, and I would put that above this. Definitely, of the ones I've seen. Uh, Finn? I really loved it. Oh, it was really fun. I had a really good time. Um, <laughs> makes me want to watch, like, Evil Dead and... Mm, makes me want to watch Evil like, Dead. Those kind of pulpy films, because I just had a really fun time watching it. <laughs> I want to watch the the series that does that is this film, which is apparently not meant to be bad. See, I'm, I'm quite, worried quite that good. that's going to be pretty bad. Because I think what's, what's I've heard it's okay. good about this is the... It is very self-aware of the genre it's in, and all the characters are played by very, very good actors. For the, like, basically everyone in it is really good, 
It's got it's got it's got a seven out of ten IMDb, which is the same yeah, as this like, movie. I I I really liked it. Let's find out what happens after the movies for for Finn. But Phaser's gonna have to leave us. So Phaser, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. You can have you get killed by a vampire you. or something in post. No, it's ah! fine. You're leaving at a good moment. Um, so it's fine. Phaser's actually just gonna walk off into drive his RV off into the sunset uh, happily and live. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See ya. Well, we've let Phaser drive off into the sunset, um, and now we can briefly talk about what happens after the film. Not for long, we've talked about the video game. So from Dusk Till Dawn 2, Finn, uh, Texas Blood Money. It has Quentin Tarantino's name on it and nothing else. Uh, a brief summary of it is that a member of a gang punches a bat, which is, turns out to be a vampire, <laughs> which pisses off the now-alive-again Danny Trejo. And that is the catalyst for everything else that happens. And it's honestly way too involved and I can't be bothered That's to do it. But there is a character start. called Jesus. Jesus. There's a character called Jesus or Jesus. But it did make reading the summary really weird. Because it's like when Jesus broke into the bank. <laughs> the main character is played by Robert Patrick, who is the T-1000 in Terminator yeah. 2. And I also... Like, I was like, that's a familiar name. He's a good name. He's in the TV yeah. series as well as someone else. He's also uh, John Cena's Nazi piece of shit dad in Peacemaker. He's very, he's very good in that. Real piece he, of shit. He plays, he plays pieces of shit really well, Robert Patrick. From Dusk to Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. Even worse, it's a prequel. It's set during the Mexican Revolutionary War. Pancho Villa is an actual character, the Mexican hero. I then read a bit about Pancho Villa. Um, I don't have anything more from Dusk to Dawn 3, I should say, because I did not want to read the summary. Um, there's like lots of Aztec God stuff, I'm sure, done extremely sensitively. Um, and Pancho Villa sometimes stars as himself, which is incredible. Hmm. Then the TV series is basically just a remake of the first movie with added backstory. And apparently it genuinely is it's quite good. Uh, Danny Trejo is, of course, in it. Robert Patrick, sorry, is playing Jacob Fuller. Oh, nice. That's really cool. Okay, three seasons that, that makes cancelled. me want to see the series more. Now, that's that's all I had on that, but I have one game for you, Finn. One of my traditional games. Okay. It's Vampire or Nampire. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Bomb. Uh. The question is basically, is this an actual vampire movie or a fake one that I've made up? There's only okay. six of them. Only titles. Let's, 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 let's do this. Immortality Yours, number one. Hmm. I'm going to say real. It is real. Um, It's basically vampires versus the Illuminati. Nice. Um, I like that. Number two, uh, Blade 2. It's so simple and so difficult to say. Is it a trick question? I I think it is real. It is. You know what Blade is. (laughs) Yeah, but but is is Blade 2, is there going to be something like they'd recast everybody in it? It would still be a real movie. It's real. Um, there are, but they are recasts. Blade is coming to the MCU. Excellent. By I'm glad vampires are arriving. I'm glad that maybe we to can to make get, everything like, more complicated. Yeah, that's what. Well, that's be. that's what the MCU needs. Another dimension of of bullshit. <laughs> Doctor Strange and the other dimension of bullshit. <laughs> and another dimension of bullshit. <laughs> another it's a sequel to of... Multiverse of Madness. Number three. Mama Dracula. I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say it's a brand of 
cereal or pasta or something. Oh, I didn't bother to find real things to slot in. I okay. couldn't be bothered. I just made them up. But no, this is real. Um, vamp- it's, it's a vampire real. based on Elizabeth Bathory, um, who you might have heard of. You know Elizabeth Bathory? Not really. She was a, a countess. I don't remember where, what part of Eastern Europe, who used to bathe in servants blood oh yeah uh, like probably the first first the first ser- basically first serial killer effectively or one of them really and she i think this is something that like there's a lot of historical figures it's like slander effectively they didn't really do it i think for her historical evidence yes she i def- guess like blood the she, impaler she's the bloody countess yeah he did he did impale he did do that and the idea is that it's vampires in the modern age having to cope with a shortage of virgin's blood well because everyone's too Horny. I, I guess so. It's like from the 70s or the 80s, a Belgium film. That does sound like a film about everyone being too horny. <laughs> I think it is. King of Blood Times. <laughs> so many King words. King of Blood Times. Number four. King of Blood Times. Uh, it, can't be, it can't be real. No, it's not real. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it would be about. I don't have any ideas. I just <laughs> thought it was funny. I guess it's a sequel to Blood Times Awakenings. Or... <laughs> Prince of Blood Times. Prince of Blood Times. Number five. Dracula Free Stakeout. Uh, 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 I'm going to say fake. It is fake. Um, I, for me, I do have an idea. For, this would be a um, a cop vampire movie where Dracula was like the villain in the previous two, but is now having to work as like a cop in like LA. To catch a worse vampire. To catch a worse, the only thing that can catch a, that can stop a vampire is a worse vampire he's with a gun. He's trying to catch Morbius. <laughs> he's trying to stop the Morbin time. It's funny you should say that, because number six, Morbius. <laughs> that can't be a real film. Why would they make a film that's, of such a minor I, character? I agree. That's, what it says. that's actually what it says. It says, uh, no, yeah. it's not real. I refuse to accept it's real. Yeah, I refuse. Um, it's like I the Black Tower film they did. You know, it's, that, that, I've never even that, heard of They didn't do it, either. Yeah, well, they didn't, of course they didn't do it. I mean, I just refuse to accept that Matt Smith can be so unlucky as to only ever be in shit movies. It just seems unrealistic for an actor his of his career. His career seems entirely cursed. He's in Game of Thrones, but only after the series has ended in a separate series. It seems odd that he's able to achieve really quite good acclaim as lots of TV characters, but every time he merely touches a movie... The movie catches fire. Have I... I've, I've told you this story, but I'm going to tell it on Quarantino because I'm not sure I've told it before. The thing about how Matt Smith discovered that Terminator, that the sequel Terminator films had been cancelled. I'll tell you. Yes, because it was Terminator... It so he was in Star, Genesis. It's Genesis, yeah. He was, was in Genesis. there. And then there were going to be two more and it was so shit that the movie, they said, oh, they're indefinitely suspended. He didn't know that. He hadn't been told by the studio. IGN asked him what he thought about that in an interview. And he was like... Well, I didn't know that, so thanks for telling me. I sort of laughed it off. But obviously, he's thinking, well, I'm not going to get so through those bad. movies now. Isn't it bad? Isn't it bad? Isn't it so unfair? Because also, a lot of these shit movies he's in, like the reviews will be like, it was shit, but Matt Smith was really good in it. Like Morbius, generally speaking, the positive aspect people pulled out was Matt Smith's performance. Same for Terminator Genesis. A lot of reviewers were yeah. like, yeah, Matt Smith was really good. Uh, in the five seconds he's in it. And it's just like, oh man, imagine being the best part of loads of shit movies, but you're cursed. And still not good enough to be told what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, when he's about 17, he's not able to do anything else. He'll come crawling back to Doctor Who audios. <laughs> Old man Matt Smith Doctor is going to be a weird 
combo. Uh, no, it's fine. He'll just do the voice and he'll sound the same. I mean, Peter Davis is 70 and he's playing himself from when he was 28. Yeah, but have you heard Marge's voice in The Simpsons lately? <laughs> it, it's really it's quite hard better. to listen to. It sounds painful. Marge, recent Simpsons. <laughs> Homer, oh me. I would be like, I'll cut this oh in. Me. But I, I'm not sure I can cut it in because if I do, I might get copyright struck by Disney. Oh me. Oh, it is. It is a bit. It's just a. It's just a bit off. Yeah. Isn't it? It's not nice. I feel bad. Oh well. They get paid a lot of money. It's a different actress, right? Is it? Or no, it's the same, same one. Person? That's that's the the issue. That, is it's the it's same just, one as just toned down. It's like don't you have to be? It's just like it's just like oh, dialed don't down vote for Trump. Yeah, homie, homie. Don't, homie. <laughs> she like she's dying. Homie, <laughs> I'm sorry, homie. Merge, you don't vote for Trump. <laughs> Merge, I'm sorry I couldn't give you the peace in life that I could give you in death. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh man, it's um, yeah, good. <laughs> Listen, good on Dan Caston. La 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 la. la. I like the idea that we run the credits of the podcast before we do this section. So when Fraser leaves, that's like the end. And then we just have this after. Uh, Okay. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. It's It's Morbid Morbid time. Time.